Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Rick and Dodd Show. Two dudes, a podcast, and some laughs. Prepare to be underwhelmed. And away we go. So we're doing our uh, <clears throat> our first live uh, podcast recording this week. Um, we're sitting here uh, staring out at the beach from the, the lovely Outer Banks, uh, North Carolina. Um, thankfully, uh, we were able to get together this weekend for uh, for my wedding. Um not too done, I guess we should clarify that. I was I was um, really heartbroken when I found out it wasn't to me okay. actually. I was uh, I had a nice dress and everything picked out. Yeah, I we, we hadn't talked about that before. <laughs> I think it went mentioned mentioning anything in passing. So yeah, so it's uh, <laughs> I, I'm no longer an eligible bachelor, much to, to Don's chagrin. Um, heartbroken. But uh, yeah, so so we're here for that. Um, so we just came in, inside to to record uh, while we had some time to make sure we keep somewhat on track. Um, and so uh, coming inside, it's it's always weird when we're we're at a nice uh, resort here, um, and spending so the day out on the beach and everything, <clears throat> been working out a lot more and eating right, and I've never really had a positive body image, but um, knowing the work I'm putting in and a lot of other that, and a lot of other stuff like that, um, I feel pretty comfortable being at the pool on Thursday, you know, just in shorts with my mm-hmm. shirt on, yeah. uh, being out today and just kind of walking around and having a good time and, and seeing everybody here. Um, but it's still always weird when you go to do normal stuff, but you're still like at the resort. Like when we went and yeah. picked up lunch, it was yeah. still like weird where I was just in shorts and didn't have my shirt on. And you were, like, you were barely serviceable. Like. And then, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause I, I had no shoes on, <laughs> no, shirt. Uh, no shirt on, but I still did get service. So, th- so that was good. So like, it, it's, it's still very awkward. Like if I'm still fully outside, I feel, I guess, okay, not wearing a shirt, but then like coming inside the main buildings, I put a shirt on um <laughs> but then i see like other people wearing it and i'm like oh yeah that's perfectly normal but i don't i guess i'm more just self-conscious and i mean like we did a photo shoot with some of the photographers and like i don't really care like what i'm in or like uh, again like i have we've had a couple of massages the past couple of months and i'm just like yeah do whatever you want i don't give a shit so like <laughs> it, it's weird like that's my like should i be wearing a shirt in public type thing when normally <laughs> i'm just like yeah i don't care do whatever um so yeah so it was uh kind of interesting there but uh overall it's been pretty good and i mean it's everybody's loved where loved the resort here so i'm glad we've been able to come up and, and get caught up awesome it, it's a very nice looking at a resort but going back to the thing you said about the <laughs> no no uh, no shirt no shoes so for the longest time when i was younger like not like a teenager age when i was younger i just assumed that you might be able to just walk around pantsless because that was that was never included in the, in the signage. Yep. It's like, well, I've got flip flops and a shirt on, and my wangles out. So, let me buy this loaf of bread at this grocery. Well, I mean, it, it kind of goes similar to the uh, to the, the McDonald's like caution your coffee is very hot type thing. Like, I mean, yeah. they have a sign because obviously somebody had that happen at some point. So, why wouldn't the same be true for you? It's like you you're not explicitly saying that I need pants. You're just right. saying like I need a shirt and shoes. So like I've got a shirt on and I've got shoes on. So. I'm able to come in here. My nipples are covered, and my feet aren't touching your floor. So, <laughs> where's where's uh, where's my hamburger? Just rubbing my coin sack on the counter. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but again, you know, being at the beach that pushes a lot of the norms of, of yeah. understanding there, where it's like, do you need a shirt on? Do I not need a shirt on? Yeah. Um, like what? And then you, it's like you have like beach casual versus, you know, still formal or fine dining mm-hmm. or like normally like, you know, cargoes and a t-shirt is something where I would go any place at home and like just go grab, you know, normal food at. But then yeah. here it's like that's sometimes overdressed for places and then other place you show up and it's like, no, it's really formal dress, but you, it's in a shopping center with everything else. And so you walk in with yeah, a bathing yeah, yeah. suit and yeah. like a, t- a tank top and, <laughs> and you're like, oh, I really feel out of place here. Um, you can come in just like Sean Penn. Yeah. From Fast Times at Richmond. Exactly. <laughs> Carry your surfboard and you're like, oh, okay, I, I misread the sign outside. I'll see myself out. <laughs> All right, Mr. McNamara. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so before we, we uh, jumped on record here, you were talking about uh, some of your Japan uh, inspirations. So uh, I know we touched on that last time, but what where'd that come from was that just kind of all of a sudden or just kind of uh now that you're you're done with uh your mfa and some of that stuff and just trying to to see like a, a next uh, productive journey or something yeah so it's a little it's a little column a little column b like 
Um, so I had a lot of, you know, I've had a lot of free time recently. Um, and I've just been going through stuff and I've sort of been like, um, as a, as a creator, I've sort of just been like a little, a little listless mm -hmm. and you know, I haven't like, I mean, you know, because I, I, my, the, I finished, I finished that project for the place I formerly worked and then it was just kind of like, oh, oh shit. Like, you're just kind of idle, not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, and it was weird. So like. Um, so I was going through and looking through aesthetics and stuff, and because I, I, I remember um, seeing on some, you know, Instagram thought catalog mm -hmm. bullshit article, you know, because that's the only time I ever look at those at like 3 a.m. in the morning. Um, and I remember, I remember seeing the word uh, Yugen, um, which uh, is a Japanese term. Let me pull it up um, to give you the actual definition here. Uh, so I don't get it, because knowing me, I will butcher something. Uh, Y-U-G-I-N? Uh, Y-U-G-E-N. G-E-N. Since I'm on the Wi-Fi, it's probably faster. Uh, yeah. Uh, deep awareness of the universe. Yeah. And, um, there's more of, uh, so it got me, that got me digging into, um, oh my god, fuck, I'm not correct. Let me, let me type these weird Roman, Romanized Japanese words yep. into uh, Yugen is an important concept in traditional Japanese aesthetics. Uh, exact translation depends on the context. Um, it's not an allusion to another world. Uh, it is about this world, this experience, um, generally thought to be defined as an awareness of the universe that triggers emotional responses too deep and powerful for words. Right. So I was looking at that and I was like, okay, I'm like, well, what other uh, Japanese aesthetics are there? And um, I was going through and... Um, I found this thing, this aesthetic called uh, Wabi Sabi, um, which, just going off of Wikipedia here, um, it's basically the beauty of uh, imperfection and things that are incomplete. And so I was like, that's weird because, um, I need to actually just pull up the rest of this too. So like, well, I was just going to say that's, I mean, it's very fitting just looking at this and, and pulling it up here as well, but that's, there's something I've heard before where it's it, probably this or where basically they'll, they'll go and they'll break a perfectly fine dish or a piece of china mm -hmm. and then they'll reassemble it, but where the cracks are, they assemble it with gold leaf or filling um, and so that you have a perfectly serviceable plate, bowl or whatever. But the cracks are highlighted by gold or silver or platinum or whatever, so that that's where it's showing you that the like the cracks and the imperfection are what is the beauty of the object versus mm -hmm. versus not. Um, and I think I mean just the, the kind of randomly that you brought that up. I mean that's I think in a lot of we wrote our ceremony yesterday. We both wrote our own vows, all of that stuff. And I think there's a lot of that uh, sentiment in what both Amanda and I wrote together as far as, you know, the beauty of imperfe imperfection and that, like, the imperfection isn't a negative. It's what makes us unique and some of that stuff and kind of embracing that as much as possible. And, like, so, like, there's that. And then I was going through and I was like, shit, like, that's a lot of the stuff that I try to ca I try to capture in my, in my poetry. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's not effective. And then I was going through and I was just going through, like, the list, like, um, you know, um, like, there's one, Iki, um, is a traditional Japanese aesthetic. It's basically based on the expression of simplicity, but yet stuff that's still uh, sophisticated, spontaneity, and originality still is all captured in that. And that's like stuff I've had people tell me about what I write, is that my stuff um, is, you can always understand what I'm writing, um, but you, there's obviously something else that's going on there too. And which one was that last one? Uh, Iki. Uh, I K. So that's a tier symbol. That doesn't count. <laughs> um, um, you know, and there's all, you know, um, and just like, there's just like so many um, things that I see um, in like, even in um, just so many of these, even like, Joe Kui. Um, which is basically, you know, deals with, like, movement and stuff, but even, mm -hmm. like, with pacing, and that deals even more, like, um, you know, I always, like, it's stuff where it's, like, I always know exactly where to, where to end, where to end things to keep the idea of movement going, that yeah. kind of stuff, and it's just, like, 
it's just like so, um, you know, so much of that that I see within um, my my own stuff, and you know, I like you know, like I never really had um, a large uh, exposure to that. I mean, like I mean, what, like watching Pokemon growing up. You're not gonna learn that. You're not gonna learn Japanese aesthetics. <laughs> From, yep. from like that, you know, so like, and it always just like, and I started thinking about it, you know, as I was falling asleep, and I was just like, what in my life, growing up as a mixed, poor mixed kid in Syracuse or in the South, allowed me to see the same, start to view the world the same as an entirely different culture. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting there and I was like, there's only, and I was sitting there, I'm like, there's only one way for me to figure that out because, um, because there's not just that, but like, there's other stuff and the stuff that I struggle with in my writing is stuff where, um, you know, it's uh, stuff over there that's almost considered normal and you would see in their writing. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like stuff you may not even think about, like fucking passive voice. Like I struggle with making sure my stuff is always active, but apparently passive voice is something there because you're more of an observer Yeah. Um, with stuff. And then like that's, I mean, how, I mean, with minimum exposure, uh, all that, it's like, so I, I just had to, like, I sat down, and I was like, how, I, like, I need to know what happens over there, or what in my life is similar to the cultural group. Yeah, it just kind of, you know, uh, jump in the fire, immerse, yeah. just immersion yeah. learning type thing, and, and just take it all, so yeah, I mean, that's a, it, it's, it's very interesting that you, like, say, like, how was it that, with your experience, you were able to get back to the same point that a culture for you know hundreds of years on the other side of the world had a lot of other very similar or even the same mindsets practices mm-hmm. and, and you know ideologies um because that's another thing that uh with some of the the pete holmes podcasts i haven't there's a a, <clears throat> a handful that he went to uh um hawaii to talk to ramdas and i've mm-hmm. saved those spiritual ones until like I've had the ability to focus on it, sit down and listen to it, not like right. when I'm on a plane for work or doing other stuff. And so that's the that's the portion that I'm going to do like either tomorrow or Tuesday when we're here just sitting on the beach, like just plop down on a chair and just listen to those. Um, because a lot of the other stuff that uh, I've, I've read from Ram Dass or, you know, listen to You Made Weird and a lot of other stuff, but there's, you know, a lot of talk of transcendence, a lot of talk of, you know, the depth uh, beyond the meaning and, and stuff like that. Um, and so it, it's very similar to me where, again, a lot, a lot of the different religions all come back to the same thing. A lot of the different, you know, human experiences all come back to the same thing, but there's a different name for it or there's a different path. And, and so, um, it's, it's pretty cool that you were able to hit that just based on, you know, your own path, not, and not even actively moving there, but then it yeah. just kind of, you're, it's, you know, the happy serendipitous coincidence of, of making it and then identifying it. Yeah. Like, I just like, so I decided, and like I was sitting there, I was like, I know it was something I would be able to figure out in just like a, like a week or something. I'm like, I'm like, cause I came to the thing, I was like, well, shit, I'm going to have to immerse myself, mm-hmm. immerse myself in this for like an unknown period of time. And then I was thinking, I was like, well, my skill set would probably do really well over there anyway, because, um, you don't even actually need to know it's helpful, but you actually don't need to know Japanese uh, to actually find work over there. Uh, because you could basically just become like an in-classroom instructor, so you basically just teach English. Teach English, yeah. Which yeah. I actually had a, a, a buddy I used to play video games with um, between uh, DC Universe and, and uh, Star Wars The Old Rebellion, um, or The Old Republic, um, and uh, he just went over, I think, for a couple of years to go teach English in mm-hmm. South Korea, and he's originally Korean, um, and so it's you know, very similar to that, where you can just go and, and be able to just teach English, and actually, one of Amanda's oldest friends is, uh, she was in Egypt forever teaching English, and now they just moved to, I believe, I want to say Panama, and so they're down there just teaching English, so, um, yeah, and if you can get in that program, that's a, yeah. a pretty good one. Yeah, so I've been looking at those, I haven't said, and, and you want to talk about just random coincidence, the time that I had this, so, the programs to teach, the time that I had this thought, the programs all that do that where you can teach that are done through the government, like Chet and other programs, they all start their application progress in November. And before I even started to do that research, I sat down and was like, okay, so if I do this, 
I need to go, I could go, I need to go within the next two years. Mm -hmm. And the first year I'm, I was like, okay, by the end of that first year, I need to go over for a week just to make sure I can actually, you know, make a kind of mm -hmm. living over there. And then, then when I come back, I can either decide to immediately start applying for stuff or wait until to the closer to the two years so I can try and learn more of the language. And I'm sitting there, and the time that I decided this, which was basically the end of July to start of August, it just almost seems to line up perfectly with the, I, like, they, have, they start taking the applications in November. So if I want to go back when I come back from that first trip, ideally next August or September, I can you, start doing that. Doing the application process now and getting the ball yeah. rolling. Yeah, and it's just like, just like, there's so many things, and we haven't talked about it. So since we're in person, my crazy is probably going to show a lot more. So um, there's a lot of stuff <coughs> where um, it's like that I experience where there's... Um, uh, like almost like there almost has to be meaning in things and that a lot of that comes from uh, like the ADHD and stuff mm -hmm. um, because part of the reason you can't pay attention is because you can apparently generate more theta waves which are closer to like dream waves so okay like your brain is literally all over the place oh, because that makes sense yeah because you're basically stuck in like in a constant dream state um, which would explain a lot of the other stuff that I deal with like um, oh god what am I like, where you basically, like, um, not, not the rationalize, the, where, like, you basically, um, like, almost start to, like, separate yourself from the world around you. Not, like, not, like, isolation, but, like, your, the mentality where, like, um, you, uh, guy, like, you're a full, like, a full observer of everything? Yeah, in a way, like, uh, oh, I, I knew the... Like, you're a passive participant and everything's kind of just going on around you and you're not... Yeah, yeah, involved. like, there's a, there's a specific word for it. can't think of it. It's driving me nuts. But, like, you deal with, deal with a lot of that and you deal with, like, a lot of, um... Ennui and, uh... Okay. Um, which I don't think are necessarily indicative to dealing with, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the disorder, but, um... You know, you find yourself more liable to deal with those, especially when you deal with like the impulsive uh, nature of the disorder mm -hmm. too. Um, so there's stuff where, um, just like for that, so because because like your brain just physically works differently, you see stuff in a totally different way than other people. Do. Yeah, and that makes total sense. So um, one of those things is that like I constantly I constantly have to find meaning in things. Not like not like have to, but like. I'm constantly seeing meaning in like other things, and um, I like in, I think because of that, there's a lot of stuff where I ex experience like I experience so much fucking deja vu. Mm -hmm. It's it's ridiculous. Um, and but going on top of that, when like you're um, dreaming and you're always in a dream state, like I don't remember I don't like remember a lot of uh, a lot of my dreams, but. When I do, they're just so intense. Because another thing that comes with that is because your brains are wired differently. Wired differently, you experience emotions more intensely because you have a greater difficulty managing them. Mm -hmm. So um, that's why, I pretty much, just like that's why I can't get mad at anything. <laughs> because well, that's I mean, I was just making a note here. That's kind of similar to the same way for me. I mean, when you were saying when you're constantly looking to find meaning in things. But then also coupling that with, like, you can't get mad at things. Like, for me, it's it's kind of going back to one of, like, Louis C.K.'s, like, oldest bits where he's mm -hmm. talking about it, his daughter. And all she does is, like, constantly ask why. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why? 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 And he's like, because daddy did this and or because that. And he, eventually he gets, like, you get down to, like, this hyper <laughs> philosophical discussion where it's like, because things that are can't not be. Jesus Christ! <laughs> um, and so, like, for me, like, when somebody's, like, a really shitty person, I just, be like, think, like, well, why are they doing that? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, why did that happen to them? Why are, and just, you know, keep keep asking why about the yeah. situation. Or when something happened, it's like, well, why did this happen? What could be done to prevent it? Like, what can we learn from it? And kind of keep digging into it as opposed to just taking, again, going back to the some of the, the aesthetic principles and, you know, finding the, the, the hyper attentiveness and, and just, you know, deeper meaning and everything, but being able to process that and understand a lot of it, just, you know, 
I mean, for me, it, it, it brings out a lot more just overall compassion. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you're a, just in the grand scheme of things, not maybe for my individual person, but for my community around me, just much more productivity. And so mm -hmm. like, I mean, it just, it's, that's a, a, for me, my prototypical mindset of trying to, you know, find meaning in everything and understand what's going on, but then also like trying to understand people better and kind of relate that a lot better. Yeah. Like it's so, and so like, like you just see, and it's like, and everything, and it sucks because so another part of, um, another part of the disorder is there's something you'll see a lot of folks talk about uh, called hyperfocus. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's basically where, um, it's like if like if you're lucky sometimes you can kind of use it to be productive um, but you get so focused on the you get so focused on very specific things or and it's you, like 80 percent of the time it's never productive mm -hmm. <laughs> like you know you could just be sitting with people like oh are you spacing out and i'm just like you know i'm so focused on whatever i'm thinking about you know and and that sucks too because you end up missing stuff or you end up there are moments where you just want to sit back and enjoy it yep. and you can't because all of a sudden you're starting to focus on something so fucking stupid. <laughs> well, and I mean, I think not to, to borrow or, or co-opt another term, but I definitely see that there's of similar types of, of drive there. There's definitely a spectrum of that where you have that hyper-focus. You have a lot of that that would also bleed over into anxiety. Yes. And then you have that also because I know a lot of people that suffer from anxiety and there's a lot there where it's like you can't just like tell someone like okay be less anxious. Yeah. I mean there's there's coping mechanisms that you can do to talk through it, but it's not just like an off switch. Yeah. And so it's very similar to that where it's like well just pay attention and it's like it's not that easy or just like just do this and it's not that easy. So there's definitely like a spectrum there where I would imagine there's in the brain chemistry there's something that's all very similar there. Which yeah, and there are there have been studies where um, the so there's a couple things. So there's always, uh, there's a couple different things. So usually when you get older, um, basically what happens with it is like your brain sort of gets stunted and, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's like it's certain areas, uh, that control like, uh, processing emotions, attention, all that basically are just slower to develop. Um, and there's, uh, usually a correlation, uh, because you'll deal with it, you'll pretty much deal with it your entire life. Um, and, um, Usually, if you're lucky, um, like it basically goes down. Um, there are a lot of things you can do. Part of the reason uh, this whole weekend I've just been I've been a total struggle bug this whole weekend because um, because it's been out of out of the usual routine. Mm -hmm. I'm able to usually just go through on autopilot. And um, but there's like stuff you can do that usually helps with it to help uh, try and rebalance the dopamine, uh, like exercise and, and that kind of stuff. And, um, but it's been <laughs> it's been a fun weekend for that. So um, like I I bat a thousand. Uh, where's the turn? I look. I don't know. I was thinking about some old Linus Morissette song. Like, <laughs> like uh, well, now we're in the ocean and it's your fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, um, so yeah, there's you know it's uh, it's it's always interesting, but um, you know, but so. Usually, as you get older, you know it's not as bad. But there's also a correlation between, um, like other disorders like uh, anxiety and uh, depression and all that because of um, you, the big thing is like usually your thoughts are just racing so fast they tend to keep looping over and over mm -hmm. again. Um, and like you know you can even see probably um, you know stuff with like OCD and that kind of stuff too because of the impulsive and you can tend to get, because you end up so reliant on basically going on auto autopilot, that there probably is a point where you basically have to keep doing the same things over and over ritualistically mm -hmm. just to find some kind of semblance. Like, if I lose something, <laughs> I basically, I it's hard for me to retrace my steps. Oh, yeah. And I was talking with my roommate uh, last night around, I was like, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but if I misplace something, I literally go back to the same place again and again and again. Because it's the only place, my, it's like what well, my brain says, well, this should be here. And or it's not. You, you start retracing everything from like the start of the day or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Just rewalking through everything. And I, I've done that on multiple occasions where 
were looking for something or I, I know I did something or I played something somewhere and I'm like, I just don't know what's going on. And so it's like replaying everything as is again, just over and over again, because it's like, I know myself and like, I would probably make similar decisions mm-hmm. along, along the way. So what I'm looking for is where it should be. So I'll, eventually <laughs> I'll find it if I just keep doing the same things over and over again. Yeah. Like, um, and with that, when I can't, and especially with that kind of stuff, like it ends up triggering like a whole bunch of anxiety mm-hmm. because, um, because you become so reliant on like basically just going on autopilot that it basically just like jerks you out of it. Mm-hmm. So if like if you're looking for your keys, you're like, oh, well, my keys aren't here. Well, shit. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, so it's uh, it's one, one heck of a thing, but. Yeah, so it's a lot of stuff. so it's like all that like seeing all of that stuff and for all of those things to happen, like you know, especially with like my upbringing and all that, basically just like and somehow that created a worldview of aesthetics that's so similar to mm-hmm. something else. Like it just it, it very very curious to me. Um, well, and, and I think that's that's an awesome way to. I mean, you just said, like, again, you're a creature of habit, and, like, the routine helps and, and all of that stuff, so for you to want to make that jump and kind of see, like, how can I do this, or how can I get deeper, how can I be more knowledgeable about this, but in, again, a completely foreign land, somewhere yeah. that, again, the culture is generally quite different from American culture, um, and to, to, to try to do that, and, again, like, it, it triggers one of the... Um, uh, a Shinedown song um, that comes to mind where it's uh, the f- first step's the one you believe in, but the second one might be profound. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like you're going there, you're, you know, you saw everything and you made that connection and now like, you're going to make that trip and then whatever you do with that or where you go from yeah. there could be amazing. Um, and so that's, that's a, that's a pretty cool thing to, to, to be starting to walk that path and something that, uh, something that I, I know I wouldn't, even kind of contemplate um so i mean so that that's something that, i mean getting your ducks in a row for you know taking a trip over there coming back and getting the paperwork in order and all of that stuff for for getting submissions and everything that that's a um pretty awesome to get that whole process kick-started yeah like i uh so like <laughs> one thing I don't, i've done a lot of stupid shit for art so uh <laughs> like getting to uh two art degrees and <laughs> um yeah, so um, I'm always uh, always trying to, to grow as an artist in that, and I think um, like I'm already thinking about like um, like different translation projects and stuff I want to do because there's so many um, because they basically have three different writing systems, and I was just thinking about like all the different translation projects I could do, basically just walking through the, the translation of stuff and like. You know, just thinking about that and just being over there, I think would probably do, would probably do a lot for my growth as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I mean, the there's another question I'll come back to as well, but um, a lot of the artists I know, I mean, that's really where they thrive is just in a space of discomfort or in mm-hmm. a space of newness or unfamiliarity or, um, you know, contentment doesn't breed uh, amazing art. Um, like on a whole, um, so that, so, but similar to that, the other question that jumped to mind, so like, are you someone that picks up other languages relatively easily or is that something where you still work on it? Cause I mean, I took four years of, of German in high school and like a year and a half in college. Um, and I knew of it relatively well. Um, but there, like, as soon as I stopped doing that, it was just perfectly downhill um, and then I, for whatever reason, I do not have an ear for Spanish. I can, I've tried multiple times and I just can't pick it up. So is that something where like you have tried or you are, I actually, I don't even know, or do you know any other languages at the moment, um, or anything like that too? So it's funny you mentioned that. So usually this, you want, you want to talk about like bizarre coincidences. So I never was a very strong, um, um, like I, I took basically two years, two or three years in uh, French in uh, high school. Um, and it's funny, it's because I didn't take the full four years. I wasn't able to apply to other, a lot of the mm-hmm. schools upstate because their curriculum was entirely different okay. than what they required. 
is kind of a bummer. <laughs> but, um, and I took French in college, and I pretty much just, like, just gave up entirely on the language. But because uh, Japanese is basically a picture-based language, it's, I'm noticing that it's going, I'm going through an entirely different process, because each symbol just relates, or each picture just relates to a sound. Mm -hmm. So all I basically have to do is make the connection uh, between the picture and the sound, and just memorize the picture and the sound. Okay. So it's like a different, it's a totally different way, let, you know, there's no letters to sound. It's more, it's more of a visual learn than like yeah. a phonetic learn type yeah. thing. Yeah. And I've noticed that I've been having, um, when I've been sticking to my, the le myself lessons, um, I'm having an easier time understanding how that language works, at least uh, how the hiragana works, uh, which is basically their toddler alphabet. Okay. Um, uh, how that works within words, and it's easier for to like basically sound out a word um, because you can just look at the symbols and know what sounds they're supposed mm -hmm. to make, um, which is a lot easier than <laughs> learning French, where there's like, there's an accent they go here. Or there's like eight consonants in a row, and like yeah. which one, which ones are silent, which ones get emphasis, and then which ones like kind of sound different together and stuff like that. So yeah, um, <laughs> so it's uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting experience. I like I didn't um, so I, I'm hoping I'll um, continue to be able to pick it up um, and and get into it. I have uh, I set a goal for. Um, because apparently Japanese takes usually about two years to become fluent in it, mm -hmm. to become an N2 or N1 speaker level speaker, and um, which just randomly when I just said, okay, I have to do this within two years, I didn't know how long it was going to Yeah, exactly. Like, that's just like so, like, just a random series of coincidences where it's like, this has to happen mm -hmm. within this time frame, and everything seems to fit. To line up and come together. To, to do that. Um, and so... Um, so there's a lot of, you know, a lot of that that's been happening, and, um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that, I'm looking forward to, uh, I want to see if, when I start finagling things, um, I want to see if I can actually find a place that will let me study, uh, Japanese poetry. Okay. Um, or at least, like, be like, hey, you know, like, you know, and try to become friends with, like, the Jap lit teacher, or whatever. And that way I could start to experience more of that um, writing in the area that it's created. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and hopefully by then, you know, I'd be probably have the reading proficiency of maybe a five-year-old. So um, I'd be able to, you know, slowly but read, read it in its original language. Um, but I, I would also imagine that reading it reading it at that proficiency and then having your, you know, English art background, artistic mm -hmm. background, and then trying to either create something from that either in English or mm -hmm. in Japanese itself would be an interesting experience and lend to a lot of unique creative output. Yeah. So, I mean, so that's probably a process in and of itself that would be really uh, a, a really nice journey, but also probably pretty cathartic at the same time. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, and it's funny because I was kind of just part of the reason I didn't go for a PhD. Mm -hmm. um, a, because I'm not going to be Dr. Donald. Well, you could uh, be Dr. Donald and just go on the, like, the History Channel shows, and then uh, <laughs> just, you, you could be the next Aliens dude guy yeah. and, and go from there. Um, it's partly because I, had to, I would have to learn a foreign language. So, uh, because every, um, every doctoral program for creative writing... Uh, your um, thesis is basically a translation project. Okay. So um, you find a uh, a writer, and you basically just end up translating a chunk of their work. Oh, okay, interesting. So, um, so you always have to know you have to know a foreign language to have a doctor, at least well enough to be able to translate it. So I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, well, now if I do this, if I want to get a doctorate. I will finally have the skill set to be able to get a doctorate yeah. if, you know, if I want to accrue more debt. Because um, <laughs> I don't think they're going to be like, go teach our children. <laughs> yeah, go, go teach for, you know, millions of dollars a year. And, and that's yeah. 
those words usually don't ever go together, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's uh, it's an it's an interesting thing, and I'm, you know, like I'm ready for it, um, you know, and I'm kind of ready just to get it going. Like it's funny with the job search, I'm sitting here, I'm like, well, you know, because I've been applying to like some state jobs and that kind of stuff. I'm like, well, if I get the state job, I'm fucking be there two years. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like I'm telling me like, um, actually. <laughs> Yeah, so no, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it, and, um, you know, I'm like trying to get used to the food. I think I told you earlier. Yeah. So, um, so I'm trying to figure out how to make it all myself and, and do that. So far, it's been, it's been all right. Uh, well, I mean, and I'm sure that there's a lot of, I mean, similar to you know, like Spanish food or Mexican food that's a, mostly Americanized, and so like, mm-hmm. there's things that bleed over the other way. But like, I'm sure like a lot of it isn't too bad. It's just kind of that like end mass, but then you can also become more adventuresome or more adventurous and in, in kind of exploring some of the cuisine as well. So you have like your, your safe comfort zone and comfort meals and then kind of figure out some more of the adventurous stuff. And I, uh, so to keep it, uh, authentic, I actually, uh, um, found a Japanese, uh, a cooking, basically a cooking blog by two Japanese women mm-hmm. who basically moved to America. Um, and they did this, they have a cute little fucking cooking blog with a whole bunch of recipes, recipes on it. And it's just like, you know, it's all easy, it's all simple from, you know, native people. Um, they basically explain, you know, everything. Using native traditional methods and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I did a cucumber salad the other day where, you know, it's basically with the type of the style of the cucumber, you just, like, basically, um, you know, kind of beat on it and rip it apart with your hands. <laughs> right? Like, that's so, like, you would, I would, like... You know what's so stupid is that, like, you know, years ago, I never would have thought exactly to put together a cucumber salad by fucking just ripping the cucumber apart with my hands. Yeah, you're like, okay, well, let me get a knife <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and uh, or a vegetable peeler and get everything off and cut it, and then yeah. yada yada yada. But yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and it was actually pretty good. I uh, uh, I tried like I tried to test one uh, because it was using sesame uh, sesame oil, mm. and I've never had. Raw sesame oil. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of sesame oil. I, I made something that I got a, uh, a recipe off of the company my dad used to work at for a snack chip company, and they had something where um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something with um, like caramel corn and something else or, or whatever, and it, it called for sesame oil in there. And I, I've I fucked up a lot of recipes in my time, but this was one where I, I, I followed the instructions to a T, I know for a fact, and then I went to eat some of it, I was just like, any sesame oil is too much sesame oil in this recipe, so yeah, so that, that's one where I've, I've been bitten by a, by too much sesame oil before, so. Yeah, so, when I tried it the second time, I was like, I had some rice vinegar, and I'm like, okay, well, let me just throw a little bit of this yeah. in there to cut it. And it actually turned out a hell of a lot. The rice, rice vinegar is good for uh, a lot of stuff, and it, it's, it makes a lot of the things that have more of that potency or a, a lot of the the weird, like, very acute, like, mm-hmm. tastes a little bit more palatable, so. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, uh, you know, so it's good. Like, so I've been doing that. I um, braised a pork belly. Um, that was actually the first thing I did. Uh, I basically had made the marinade. Nice. And then... Uh, which was a very expensive marinade. Which I'm glad we're talking about this now after we already <laughs> ate lunch and not, not earlier or else it would have been a, a lot different. Matter of fact, I took, a, I took a picture of it. That thing was fantastic. Um, we'll have to put that up and link it from the episode page. Yes, once I figure out how to use my smartphone. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, like, it was, so I did that. Um, I, like, I made miso soup. Um, you know, miso ramen. Uh, uh, I made Japanese steak. Uh, figured out how to do rice balls. Um, I made uh, coffee jelly. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, I made I like I made Jello from fucking scratch. Um, uh, God, what else did I do? I I've done I've done quite. I did Japanese sweet potatoes. Um, I've been eating a lot of sweet potatoes lately, and uh, um, I mean, not like I'm trying to get there anytime soon. Obviously, there's a, a key difference between the two of us. <laughs> Uh, but Mike Coulter, the actor that plays Luke Cage, mm-hmm. uh, we saw him in, in C2E2 in Chicago, and that's what he was saying, what he did, like, to, to bulk up for the role of Luke Cage initially. Oh, wow, that looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that looks insanely delicious. Yeah, it was pretty fucking good. What he was saying was he basically had, you know, some chicken, 
um, some brown rice and sweet potatoes for like, you know, every meal or whatever. And that, that helps you like drop the weight and also with the protein and build muscle and starch and all that stuff. Um, and so I'm not going to be obviously Luke Cage anytime soon. Um, but I, I've been picking up a lot of sweet potato lately and, and just kind of doing that. And because, you know, they're big, they're easy to make, uh, they fill you up and they're super low calorie wise. Um, but, uh, so yeah, some, some Japanese, uh, sweet potatoes sound, actually sound really good. I, and I have a, uh, I can, I can forge you the link to the, the cooking blog cause those two ladies know what they're doing. Nice. Uh, yeah. We actually, we can link to it from the page too. Cause that'd be cool. Cause I'm sure. Uh, the other people with uh, some culinary interest would probably yeah, want to yeah. check it out. Um, yeah, like I mean, I you know, so I've just been I've been you know fucking fucking with it. Um, just trying to prep basically from every angle as yeah, as like, what you I, need for the experience. I already like I already know what I'm not eating. Um, and that's um, they have this thing called uh, uh, natto, uh, which is so, uh, for, uh, fermented soybeans. That's what it, it sounded familiar. So I I know I'd heard of it before. It looks so fucking gross. And, like, it's a breakfast food I'm just not, never going to have. Okay. <laughs> um, there's that other shit, too. So, like, if you want to talk about other shit, like, so one of the things I did was, um, you know, I obviously I researched um, uh, Japanese dating habits. So I can basically, you know, just say, and, you know, so I can basically say in 20 years, like, the basketball team will be really good. Okay. <laughs> as, I, as I flee the country. And, um, uh... And I looked up, uh, like, basically their eating habits and everything. And, you know, so it's basically, they consume something until it's just gone. Mm-hmm. Which is very different from over here, which is variety every... Yeah, you, you, you just mix it up all the time. And, yeah. And interesting, because, I mean, that's I'm definitely the same way as, as the former of... As long as I still have the same thing, or as long as I still have something left, I don't need something else. I can just keep right. going on this. Exactly. So, like, it's, like, it's so, like, to me, it's, like, so it's, like, even stuff like that where, like, even the tiny stuff where I'm, like, I even do that the same way. People are, like, you know, like, I'll sit there, I'll have something, and it's, like, oh, what do you think? It's, like, oh, uh, I'm going to have this for dinner. Or it's, like, oh, I had this for dinner. I need something for lunch. I'm, like, just. Have the same thing. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> leftovers. Where it's like you made enough, and that's why like one of the other things that we haven't done it yet, but that's what we were waiting for the wedding. So much planning, so much of our life went sideways the past six weeks and all that stuff. But now, like when we get home, like that's one of the things we want to do is do meal planning, and like there's a, a lot of different subreddits and, and things like that, and a lot of plans for it. But basically, like meal prep Sunday, where you just cook a ton of shit, all the same stuff, and just cut it up into different containers, and you just have the same like lunch every day, the same meat, like mm-hmm. same dinner. Um, and all that stuff. And that, to me, that makes so much sense because, like, it takes all of the, kind of, the Americanism out of it of, you know, the, just, like, con- consumption and capitalism and all that stuff. And it just makes it so much easier. And for my brain, it's like, okay, time to eat. Go eat this and do that as opposed to thinking you need to have so much other stuff. And it just, it makes it simple. And it's just, like, it kind of takes control back over the food um, as opposed to, like, no, well, we need this for dinner and we need this for this. And so it's better for your brain, better for your body, and better for your wallet. And it just makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, like, there's just so much, there's, like, so much stuff, and, you know, because I've never, like, okay, like, so I've never, like, I am, I am a very patriotic person in the sense of the idealism of stuff like the Bill of Rights, mm-hmm. um, and, and that kind of stuff, and, um, so I, it always baffles me how, um, consumerism always gets tied to patriotism mm-hmm. in a way and it just drives me bananas when people are like the government says in the preamble of the constitution that they need to provide for the welfare of their people not sit there and let corporations suck their, oh. suck their constituents dry yeah <laughs> like. and then i mean to me that ends up being something where you end up seeing a lot of it that mm-hmm. the that's exactly it, it it's why do I need this? Again, going back to my, you know, search for just why, but why do I need this or why do I want this or who's trying to sell this to me or whatever, where it's like, if I can do this myself, why do I need, you know, somebody else to produce something that has more stuff in it that I don't know about that's going to be more money than what I could do for myself, et cetera, et cetera, and then just do that simply as opposed to just kind of be self-sufficient. And I know, like, we've evolved, or not evolved, but just really progressed from the 
more agrarian farm-based society but yeah. i think that's why you're seeing kind of like that counterculture movement back to it yeah. of you know a uh, resurgence of farmers markets a lot of um you know the organic stuff because people saw that you know in the 50s and 60s and like the the migration to the suburbs of everybody and then you had your tv trays and your tv dinners and all yeah. of that stuff but then you know seeing some of the negative aspects of the, the corporation just capitalizing on that as much as possible yeah. and now kind of coming the other way and so obviously they're going to catch up and you know mm -hmm. the, the very targeted stuff and with amazon just buying whole foods and stuff there's you know yeah. there's a lot of ulterior motives there and everything as far as you know making the the wholesome food uh game a, a big business type thing but um but yeah i, I mean I, again as far as the consumerism versus patriotism i mean you that to me is it comes up it comes up every so often um as far as like that's like what being like being an american and having the right to choose that and having the freedom to choose that and, and all of that stuff so it's like kind of like it's unpatriotic or un-american to not do that as opposed to there's so many other freedoms or other things that that are in there that that kind of make sense um and so yeah it, it's interesting to have those discussions and just kind of have the mindset of i, I mean it also goes back to some of the discussions I have with some of my other friends as far as just a simplistic or minimalist mm. type lifestyle versus the other thing as far as a consumerist or a consumptive based lifestyle. Yeah. And so kind of walking that line and me kind of being on the, the lesser end of the spectrum um, and seeing that and then just being like, again, the room we're sitting in, like half the stuff we shipped here um, for the wedding and decorations. And again, the, the wedding itself was, was beautiful and the decorations mm. and the teams we worked with were amazing. But then like, half this shit we don't need um yeah. i know we'll take some of it home but the majority of the stuff in this room is just going to stay here because like we'll we'll never need it again or if people want it we're like just giving it away and like half the the decorations from last night we just gave away so like it's stuff that again we just don't need it and to like hold on to it and have like the value of myself is in this like one picture yeah. frame is just yeah. ridiculous yeah um <laughs> All I have is this picture frame. And, and, and there's, there's so much more where it's just like, somebody's like, well, I need to get this or I need to get this. And I mean, again, like it, we were on a pretty, you know, uh, dead set search for like a switch or whatever, but that's just because it's like, again, we've talked about it. Yeah. It's like the experience is there. And like, I know that's something we'll share and we've already done it. Like at Ron Funches, I, I mean, you had your switch here. Joe had his switch here. Bryce was playing his switch, and like we've got our switch hooked up to the TV out there. So like yeah. again, everybody has it and play with it and, and stuff like that. But then like there's like people that like that's like the check mark that they need or like that's yeah. like their status symbol or whatever. And for me, it's just like more power to you. But then that's not going to make you happy. And so it's very similar to Pete Holmes quotes it a lot, and some of the other podcasters quote it a lot. But it, it goes back to like Jim Carrey's um, quote of like. I wish everybody could be as rich as or have all the money in the world so they could they could see that you know uh, that that's not the answer to all their problems yeah. um, and so that there, there's a lot there where very similar to like a lot of the positive feelings that I've had this week and this weekend of, of coming out here and especially with a lot of the tragedy we've had the past couple of weeks of just seeing people come together and seeing a lot more of the the subtext of you know that happiness and fulfillment as opposed to just trying to kind of chase the uh the corporate dragon type thing yeah and you know it's so it's actually one of the um we're i was um did a lot of writing with our mutual friend uh, ali mm -hmm. and we were talking um and we, of course you know um we were talking about art and, and whatnot and um you know, we both sort of agree that i believe even chris uh when we had chris on um who i finally got to meet uh, for 15 seconds. Yeah, exactly. Every, again, everybody is so damn busy this weekend and coming in and coming out, but I'm glad we people were able to put names to faces. And uh, where it's more, it's all about, you know, it's all about, it's more about the experiences and that's basically how you grow. Like you mentioned the Switch thing, it's, you know, it's not necessarily about the Switch, it's the opportunity to have an experience with friends. And, you know, and that's what a lot of it is. It's because the only, and, you know, when you die... Nobody knows for certain what ha what, what happens yep. to you, um, except that your body stops functioning. Yep. Um, or I believe I'm not a doctor, so that's not. Yeah. <laughs> Go, um, going back to the conversation we were having on the beach earlier about where's that ocean going and where is it falling off the edge. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, 
like you know, if if you if you you can't take it, you can, like, if your body's not working, you probably can't take any of the physical stuff with you. So it just makes sense to try to have as many experiences as you can because, mm-hmm. in in essence, it's probably when we are just a series of experiences. And that I agree with that a hundred percent completely. Where I mean, again, you can't take any of the physical stuff with you. And so the only thing that you are and you're like essentially your essence, whether you want to call it a spirit, a soul, et cetera, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's that, it's that metaphysical aspect, which yeah. is the culmination of all your experiences, both shared and kind of personal. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to me, that's what ends up making the most of it. And, you know, however brief interactions were this weekend, however long they were this weekend, just seeing everybody and interacting with everybody and kind of having everybody in context and kind of getting together just makes it that much more worthwhile. Um, and that much more, you know, heartfelt and memorable and yeah, there's pictures, there's going to be video and, and all of that stuff, but just having those memories and having that shared experience is, is so much, uh, um, so much more awesome. So yeah, Google just stylized one of the photos I took. We have to get a picture before we leave too. Yeah. That's actually not bad though. Actually stylized. Wow. And so uh, of the shared experiences, everybody is, uh, uh, wondering where we're at so we can, uh, we can wrap it up <laughs> yes. uh and uh and head back to uh um head back down to the beach and, have, and start hanging out with everyone i have the there. perfect uh perfect bit of levity here uh i know you didn't get a chance to read the note okay um so there's the note there at the bottom uh so yeah so so don sent us uh in uh good good taste of, of going with amanda we we have a uh, kate spade new york all in good taste uh, canister um, and me being, uh, again, going for the minimalist, uh, approach, I threw out the box before actually reading the, the <laughs> note that came with, with Don's gift. Um, so, uh, it says, Rick and Amanda, here is a jar. You can put things in it. Well, things that fit. Love, Donald. Um, so, so that's a, a, a very fitting, uh, a very fitting note for a, a jar that has a, a little bit of that, uh, written on it. So, uh, so yeah, with that, that, that is a perfect note for that and, and very apropos. So, um, thank you very much for that. Thanks for being here this weekend. Um, and I'm glad we could, we could do this face to face and, uh, looking forward to, to where we go from here. So, Woo, 20 episodes. Yes. This, this was a, a good number 20. So, uh, so we'll, we'll get this up uh, soon and then uh, go from there. Yeah, be careful. <laughs> I believe we are out of here.